This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm George Scott, Editor-in-Chief of Bike Radar, and today is another one of our Meets episodes, where we chat to the leading product designers, engineers and riders in cycling. We're in the middle of the Tour de France and are bringing you a bonanza of podcasts throughout July, including our Tour de France series, plus a few of our regular episodes to break up tour fever. Today, however, we've got an episode that we hadn't planned for, and that's a chat with EF Education Nippo rider Lachlan Morton. If you're not familiar, Lachlan has thrown himself into EF's alternative calendar over the past few years, not only competing on the road as a pro, but trying his hands at some of the world's toughest bikepacking, gravel and mountain bike events, including GB Giro, the Leadville 100, Badlands and Unbound. Now, Lachlan isn't riding the Tour de France, but he is, to put it mildly, very busy throughout July. Lachlan is riding the Alt Tour, an event devised by the Australian, his team and his sponsors, whereby he's riding the Tour de France route ahead of the race with the aim of beating the peloton to Paris. Lachlan started his ride on the same day the Tour left Brittany, but not only is he riding the full route, he's also riding every transfer in between, including the final 700km transfer to Paris. That's an extra 2,400 kilometres of riding on top of the 3,414 kilometres already served up by the Tour de France route. It's 23 days straight, regularly spending more than 12 hours and 300 kilometres a day in the saddle. All unsupported. No peloton, no team cars, no mechanics, with all of his gear on his bike, sourcing food and camping as he goes. I caught up with Lachlan at the end of day 10 in a small town in the south of France. At that point, he had covered the first 12 stages to give himself an 850km advantage over the peloton. The Alps and a double ascent of Mont Ventoux are passed, but the Pyrenees are looming large in the distance, 
with fatigue undoubtedly building after an arduous first week beset by bad weather. Lachlan is riding in support of World Bicycle Relief. If you are able to donate, you can do so via the Alt Tour website. More than £200,000 has been pledged so far, which in turn will see more than 1,700 bikes donated to those who need them most. I'm sure you'll agree this is one hell of a ride in more ways than one. So that's the intro done. Let's get on with the podcast. Uh, hello, Lachlan, and uh, welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join us midway through your ride. Um, well, first of all, can you tell us where you're speaking to us from at the moment? Um, I'm just past Nantes in a small town uh, that I can't remember the name of. Um, just in the, I'm in a campsite, uh, sat on the ground, and I'm just eating dinner. That's what I'm doing. I mean, let's kind of let's kick things off by running through some of the numbers of your ride so far. Um, so you've just come to the end of your tenth day of riding. You passed the halfway point. So yeah, I've been watching your dot carefully. So far, you've ridden three thousand and forty-nine kilometers. That leaves two thousand four hundred and sixty-one to go to take you up to the full distance of just over five and a half thousand kilometers. So far, you've spent one hundred twenty-three hours riding. You've climbed over thirty-six thousand meters. And your average speed is just under 25 kilometers an hour. And finally, I should definitely say, by this point, you've raised more than 200,000 pounds for World Bicycle Relief. So, you know, those numbers are mind boggling. So the first question I need to ask is, how are you feeling? I feel pretty good, all things considered. Um, like, the body's held together pretty well. I had some issues, like, early on with my knee. and um, My feet are, like... Uh, small issue but no I mean I can't really complain like um, I've sort of I don't know I feel like I've just ridden myself into it my body's slowly getting used to it which is nice yeah you mentioned there that the problems you had in uh, with your knee um, and, and of course I mean we've, we've all seen the pictures of you, of you riding in um, in sandals in the Alps or coming up to the Alps but you, you're back in your regular cycling shoes now is that right no I'm in the sandals again <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've just been right. I kind of like I like the sandals now. Um, I because I've had so much rain, um, and like, well, it's been every day except for maybe two or three. I've been rained on, um, and so just like wet feet, I was getting a bit of like trench foot. Um, so I've just been in the sandals just to air them out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They're just growing on me. I just kind of like riding. There you go. It's a 10 out of 10 for breathability, maybe. I mean, maybe a cycling brand will take that up. So, you know, you're past the Alps now, you're past Von 2. Um, you know, the first yeah. week of the race was kind of relatively flat or, or rolling. Um, you know, how did things change for you when you did head into the high mountains? Um, it's just very slow going because um, I have quite a lot of stuff. Um, being like three weeks, I didn't want to like skimp on, you know, the sleep equipment and like cooking stuff because ultimately it's like if you if you try and go too light um you're just going to be uncomfortable and it's too long to be uncomfortable so i I, i've got a pretty heavy bike and it just means once it gets over like five percent it's kind of the sweet spot once it's beyond that it's just you you know down to your smallest gear almost and just um riding more or less as hard as you can just to just to keep a decent speed so it's just it, it's like uh you just have to change your mindset of what you're normally used to doing you know and mm. things 
things just take like take much longer. Like a 10k climb becomes what would normally be like a 15k climb. Um, so yeah, it was definitely tough. Um, and the mountain stages definitely throw up something special. Um, so I'm, I'm already trying to think of things I can get rid of before the Pyrenees, but um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's um, at least like in the mountains, you have like the scenery, you know, so it makes it all more manageable. Mm. I mean, how was how was the double ascent of Von Two on a, on a bike packing rig? Because you know, the the first the first way up the the climb is the the easier way of the three, but the second ascent, you know, the classic Tour de France ascent is, you know, it's bloody steep, particularly that first kind of opening ten kilometers through the forest. Yeah, I I had a, I'd honestly I thought about it tactically when I was there um, for the challenge of Von Two. And I was like, oh, when I get here, I could stop for lunch at like um, Chalet Renard, drop my bags, and then I'll do the loop and pick them back up. Unfortunately, like my timing didn't work out, but I ended up camping at the bottom. So I did the first, first like pass yesterday afternoon or night, camped down the bottom, and then this morning I just woke up and left my tent and that set up and then whipped a quick lap. And then pick my gear up on the way out. So the second second ascent, I was only half loaded, I guess, which felt like amazing. It felt like I had wings. <laughs> yeah, after kind of more than two two thousand kilometers in the saddle and, and kind of shifting that yeah. weight off your bike, I, that's I, a big actually, change. I instantly regretted it though because when I when I it was a it was a pain to get everything back on, and then when I realised again what it felt like to have such a heavy bike, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was like, surely, what? I was like, what else did I put in here? Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it it kind of feels twice as good when you take it off, but then twice as bad when you put it back on. Exactly, exactly. I was um, I was going to ask you what's been the the biggest challenge so far. I mean, it sounds like the weather's been pretty horrendous for you. Yeah, um, just being wet is has been an issue. Like you know, setting up camp takes twice as long as you got to try and dry everything, um, and just you know the like rain is generally a downer. So trying to stay positive through that um, has taken like quite a bit of energy. Um, and I don't know, that's a, I had one one rough night when I couldn't get food and I ended up going like, I don't know, 14 or 15 hours without food because I had to sleep. And that was in the Alps. Um, so I had to sleep without food and then ride 60 to 70K the next morning so I could get food. Um it was more or less my own fault, <laughs> but um, it was just a, made it a rough night, you know. Um, mm. But all things considered, you know, I try and like my mindset is just to see it as challenges, not negatives, you know. Um, and every day there there is a challenge, and you always think like this time of the night, like when you're finish for the day and you're having something to eat and sitting at the camp, you're like, ah, oh, tomorrow's going to be easier. You know, you're like, it's 300K, but uh, I'm going to do, it's only 3,000 meters of climbing, you know, but there's always going to be a challenge. Um, and once you accept that, like, there's some hard moment every day, then it just, it, it's easier. Like today, for example, I was like, ah, oh, it shouldn't be so bad, but then it got up to nearly like 40 degrees out there on the road. And I was like, no, oh, that's what today's thing is. So um, I don't know if you, for me, if I just view it as like a, 
a challenge to overcome and ultimately becomes a positive. So I don't, I don't have too many negatives. I mean, it really kind of puts it into perspective there when you kind of, you're looking at tomorrow as a, as a relatively kind of, you know, not, not an easy day, but, you know, kind of considering what you've been through the last few days, a relatively easy day, but then it's 300 kilometres and 3,000 metres of climbing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It changes pretty quick, your uh, perception. Um, it's interesting. It's like, it feels like the the five-hour mark is what you normally feel like on a training ride for, for two hours, you know? It's, mm. it's amazing how quickly the brain, like, uh, adapts. I mean, do you, do you have a set schedule each day or is it more of a case of kind of seeing how you feel day to day? I usually, um, like, now I'll probably have a closer look at it. And I usually have, like, two options um, because ideally I, I want to camp somewhere where I can have a shower. Um, so I, I generally, like, have a an option that's like the safe bet. And then if I want to push on, um, I work out how much further that is. And then I make the call like early afternoon. Because generally I wanted, my goal is just to try and be finished always before eight, um, and preferably like seven. So I can actually like unwind and like, you know, cook something to eat and you know, have a decent sleep. Um, and just sort of so I can enjoy the experience more. I don't want to be like zombie mode, you know. I mean, have you um, have you kind of got an idea in your head as to you know what kind of head start you need for that final seven hundred kilometer transfer to Paris? Uh, well, I think it's it's probably like a day's worth of riding. I mean, twenty four hours worth of riding. Um, so if you break that down, you need at least probably two days. Um, if you don't want to do anything stupid, <laughs> which I preferably don't want to, um, yeah, a couple of days, I think is what you really need. Um, but also like that's assuming nothing goes wrong, you know? And like, even yesterday I spent like three hours on the side of the road. With, uh, not three hours. I, uh, I spent like an hour on the side of the road because I'd run out of tubes and like, Ended up patching my tubes with like a mattress repair kit that I had, and like you realize that like you know, and if I'd got one more flat, I would have been in big trouble. Um, but I found a bike shop, so like things can happen pretty quick, you know. Or even just like if my feet had been wet yesterday for another three hours, two three hours, I would have had a really hard time riding today. So then you would lose a day. You know, um, so yeah, there's, it's hard to know exactly how much time you would need um, with all the things that can go wrong. I mean, it, it kind of looks kind of looking at your schedule and where you are, you know, you're a couple of days ahead of the race or a few days ahead of the race. But, you know, there's obviously yeah. a lot of riding to come. Is there any kind of part of the yeah. route or part of the ride that, you know, not necessarily scares you, but, you, you know, there's kind of a question mark over it at this point? Um, I think the, the run through the Pyrenees is very difficult. Um, like I know a lot of those climbs, I know those areas and, um, it's just hard going and it's going to be different than doing it in the Alps because, um, you, you have the extra fatigue already. Um, so you're kind of getting into that stage where your body's really, um, breaking down and then the course is also going to get more difficult. Um, so it's hard to 
know how you're going to react, um, but there's definitely the potential for um, a meltdown somewhere there in the mountains. Mm. Um, but I don't know. You just have to take it each day as it comes. Well, not even each day. It's more. It's more like take each hour as it comes, and then deal with that hour as best you can, um, and then see see where you're at. You know, because you have such huge dips and like spikes, and um, it's like a bit of an emotional roller coaster when you do something like this. So if you get too far ahead of yourself, um, you can you can do yourself in like mentally. Mm, absolutely. I mean, we've we've seen quite a lot of pictures that have kind of fed back to us from from you out on the road, and you know, it kind of looks like occasionally you've had. Um, you know, certainly lots of support out on the road and people kind of join you at certain times. And what has the, the response been like from the public that you have come across? Yeah, it's been great. Um, I've had heaps of people come out and ride, um, which is nice, you know, um, to be able to like share some kilometres with a few different people and generally they're local to the area so they can tell you a few things about where you are, um, which is really nice. Um, and... Yeah, just generally meeting people who are enthusiastic about cycling. It's like motivating. Um, it can be tough at times when you are having a really hard moment um, and, you know, you're trying to be as nice as you can to someone who's come out to support you, but, you know, internally you're sort of doing dancing with the devil. <laughs> um, like that could be tough, but, um, you know, it's, it's so... Uh, it's just amazing to have people come out and like appreciate what you're doing because ultimately I'm just doing something I really like to do. Um, and to have people like, you know, be stoked about that. Um, that's about as good as it gets. I mean, you're, you're clearly someone that's not afraid of a, a challenge and, and kind of taken on the alternative calendar as you have done with GB Juro Unbound Leopard 100. Um, yeah. would, would you say this is the biggest challenge to date? Yeah. 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 Certainly. Um, just the duration of like, hey, it's, it's two weeks, three weeks long. So, um, and be like each day, it's just so long. Um, so it's hard to like you, but you basically go into that, like, um, deep, like dark zone every day, <laughs> just day in, day out. And every day you clip in, you know, at some point you're going to get back there. Um which is just a huge challenge in itself. Um, so more or less feels like you're doing kind of like a, a unbound sort of style effort each day, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it's a big challenge. It's the biggest I've done. And um, we'll only keep you for a couple more minutes because clearly you need to kind of uh, you know, recover and um, get something to eat and get ready for tomorrow. But I just wanted to ask you quickly about um, your bike and your setup because you mentioned it earlier. Um, so am I right in saying that you're riding your team issue Cannondale Super 6 Evo yeah yeah it's my spare race bike I believe is there anything that you've kind of changed significantly whether it's kind of any hacks or mods that you've done um, for the ride kind of beyond the, the kind of bike packing bags and the kind of kit that you've added yeah I'm running a different bar so I could put some clip-ons on um, I generally use the the integrator bar but I'm using like a, a stem um, with the 4D bar, um, so I could just put the clip-ons on, and then I just run the the 
pads straight onto the flat bar um, just because I find it a more comfortable position. Um, outside of that, I've got flat pedals on it, which is pretty sick. Mm. Um, the, the bag, I had the frame bag made um, by a girl in Utah, um, which was like to the specifications of the frame, which was great. Um, because I kind of had an eye on this and I went up a frame size uh, at the end of the last year so I could fit more stuff in there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've got pretty small gearing. I've got like a 34, uh, 32 um, just because of the weight of the bike and you use it quite a lot. Um but yeah, I don't know. Outside of that, I've got like a whole bunch of tubes that I tie around my bag so I can dry my clothes as I go. I call it the clothesline. Um, yeah, I don't know anything else tech-wise. Everything's pretty standard. I mean, how how does the bike or what does the bike weigh compared to your uh, you know regular race bike setup? <laughs> I haven't weighed it, um, but I'm going to try and weigh it on the way here because it feels like it's it's definitely getting up towards 20 kilos. Um, it sort of feels like, I don't know, because I've got like a bladder in there plus another bottle, um, cool sleep system, cooking, clothes, spares. Um, so it all adds up to a pretty significant amount of weight. Um, yeah. And then you put food on. So I don't know. I'll try and get a weight for you if I uh, come across a scale on the road somewhere. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned food there, and you, you, know, you mentioned it before. In uh, yeah, in terms of that night where you, you couldn't get hold of any food, I mean, uh, I can imagine your kind of nutrition regime is quite different to you know what it is in, in the regular race season. Yeah, I'm just sucking back a liter of cider right now, and I've got glass <laughs> of prosciutto and uh, a melon because that seemed like a good thing after a hot day, uh, and then I got. Uh, anchovy dip because I thought it was artichoke dip, um, which is pretty rough, but I'm gonna have to eat it with some chips. So, basically, whatever I can get my hands on easy. Um, and then you're pretty lucky in France when you're on the road, there's always a patisserie or a bakery in every second or third town that's open, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I generally just rely on those. Um, but the the issue is you get lazy because um, you, you see so many places. So you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine before you know it, you're out of food. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'll stop in the next town. And then from then on, everything's closed, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's where you get caught out. That's how I got caught out the other night, really, because I was sort of just like, oh, yeah, there'll be something. There'll be something. And then there wasn't. And, you know, I suppose if you're kind of feeling okay, then yeah, you want to press on and not stop and, you know, disrupt the rhythm. And uh, Basically, yeah, that's sort of, um, that's my uh, go-to. And, it's and just, just like I push when I feel good. And, uh, and, and just finally, um, you know, this is obviously the Alt Tour and we do have the, the Tour de France running at the moment. Have you kind of tried to keep up with what's happening in the, in the race or kind of hear from the team or are you just kind of focusing on, on, on doing your job and doing your ride? I get updates from people who come ride with me. I just ask them for what happened the day before. It's great because then I get like the blood bubble at the stage. Um, 
And it's interesting because I get to see the stage and imagine what's going to happen and then to hear what actually happened is, is fun. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm more or less up to date. I don't know the specifics of it all, but, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, just, just last question. Um, you know, you sound in good spirits. You sound like you're going well. Um, you know, we've got kind of full confidence that you're going to make it to Paris. So, you know, once you do have those five and a half thousand kilometres um, under your belt, what will be the first thing you do when you get to Paris? Um, just do nothing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm hoping my wife can make it there. Um, and the, the idea of like getting into a nice hotel bed, um, and just doing nothing for a few days sounds like it's just the nicest thing. I mean, is, um, you know, yeah, is a kind of good bed at the end of a hard day. Is that the, the, the one thing that you just can't replicate out on the road like you are at the moment? Yeah, basically. Like at the end of the day, you're on the ground. <laughs> like you can try and jazz it up as many ways as you want, but at the end, you just sleep on the ground. So um, it will be nice to get elevated and on a mattress. Well, hopefully you can find yourself a nice, uh, comfortable bed as, as soon as possible. Um, but we'll, we'll leave it there. I know you need to well, you need to get back to your cider for the for a start and your prosciutto. Um, but yeah, clearly yeah. to kind of recover and uh, yeah, get a good night's sleep before tomorrow. Um, so yeah, really, really appreciate your time and, um, yeah, we'll be back in you all the way and, and, uh, yeah, it's been a great to, to follow your story and it's a real, a real pleasure to speak to you. Awesome. Thanks brother. Cheers. Bye-bye. And there you have it. The Bike Radar podcast with Lachlan Morton. Lachlan is clearly an incredible athlete, but one who approaches this incomprehensible challenge with a remarkable attitude. You can follow Lachlan's progress by dot watching on the auto website And remember, you can also support his ride by donating to World Bicycle Relief. Thanks for listening, and please do subscribe to the Bike Radar podcast for your usual podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bike Radar.